It is your duty to go away, and then he will follow you, and we shall be free from the dreadful danger which hangs over us." "'Go away!' cried the Minor Canon, greatly grieved at being spoken to in such a way. "'Where shall I go? If I go to some other town, shall I not take this trouble there? Have I a right to do that?' "'No,' said the people. "'You must not go to any other town. There is no town far enough away. You must go to the dreadful wilds where the griffin lives, and then he will follow you and stay there." They did not say whether or not they expected the Minor Canon to stay there also, and he did not ask them anything about it. He bowed his head and went into his house to think. The more he thought, the more clear it became to his mind that it was his duty to go away and thus free the town from the presence of the griffin. That evening he packed a leathern bag full of bread and meat, and early the next morning he set out on his journey to the dreadful wilds. It was a long, weary, and doleful journey, especially after he had gone beyond the habitations of men. But the minor canon kept on bravely and never faltered. The way was longer than he had expected, and his provisions soon grew so scanty that he was obliged to eat but a little every day. But he kept up his courage and pressed on, and after many days of toilsome travel he reached the dreadful wilds. When the griffin found that the minor canon had left the town, he seemed sorry, but showed no disposition to go and look for him. After a few days had passed he became much annoyed and asked some of the people where the minor canon had gone. But although the citizens had been anxious that the young clergyman should go to the dreadful wilds, thinking that the griffin would immediately follow him, they were now afraid to mention the minor canon's destination, for the monster seemed angry already, and if he should suspect their trick he would doubtless become very much enraged. So everyone said he did not know, and the griffin wandered about disconsolate. One morning he looked into the minor canon's schoolhouse, which was always empty now, and thought that it was a shame that everything should suffer on account of the young man's absence. It does not matter so much about the church, he said, for nobody went there. But it is a pity about the school. I think I will teach it myself until he returns. It was the hour for opening the school, and the griffin went inside and pulled the rope which rang the school bell. Some of the children who heard the bell ran in to see what was the matter, supposing it to be a joke of one of their companions. But when they saw the griffin they stood astonished and scared. Go tell the other scholars said the monster, that school is about to open, and that if they are not all here in ten minutes I shall come after them. In seven minutes every scholar was in place. Never was seen such an orderly school. Not a boy or girl moved or uttered a whisper. The griffin climbed into the master's seat, his wide wings spread on each side of him, because he could not lean back in his chair while they stuck out behind, and his great tail coiled around in front of the desk the barbed end sticking up, ready to tap any boy or girl who might misbehave. The griffin now addressed the scholars, telling them that he intended to teach them while their master was away. In speaking he endeavored to imitate as far as possible the mild and gentle tones of the minor canon, but it must be admitted that in this he was not very successful. He had paid a good deal of attention to the studies of the school, and he determined not to attempt to teach them anything new, but to review them in what they had been studying. So he called up the various classes and questioned them upon their previous lessons. The children racked their brains to remember what they had learned. They were so afraid of the griffin's displeasure that they recited as they had never recited before. 
One of the boys, far down in his class, answered so well that the Griffin was astonished. "'I should think you would be at the head,' said he. "'I am sure you have never been in the habit of reciting so well. Why is this?' "'Because I did not choose to take the trouble,' said the boy, trembling in his boots. He felt obliged to speak the truth, for all the children thought that the great eyes of the Griffin could see right through them, and that he would know when they told a falsehood. "'You ought to be ashamed of yourself,' said the Griffin. "'Go down to the very tail of the class, and if you are not at the head in two days I shall know the reason why.' The next afternoon the boy was number one. It was astonishing how much these children had learned of what they had been studying. It was as if they had been educated over again. The Griffin used no severity toward them, but there was a look about him which made them unwilling to go to bed until they were sure they knew their lessons for the next day.